The Graphic Histories Podcast. Hey there, and welcome back to the Graphic Histories Podcast. My name is Andre Mayant, and I will be your host for this evening. Big thanks to Ukla the Mock for our theme song, Superpowers. Still digging that song. And thank you, listener, for tuning in to another edition. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode, and I hope you dig this week's as well. This week we'll be talking about Kang the Conqueror, a long-standing adventures villain and eternal thorn in the side of the Marvel Universe. Now, Kang has been several different characters over the years, mainly because as a time traveler, various versions of himself from alternate timelines or along his own timeline have appeared and, and gone on throughout the Marvel Universe. So those different versions of him have had different names, different personas, uh, different sort of uh, affiliations, and all will be featured in this episode. Now, that is a very long edition, uh, so I will be cutting this into two episodes with a break in between because this will be part one. Then we'll be having a talk with... Uh, the Next week will be one of our featured interview editions, and then we'll be back after that with part two of Kang the Conqueror. I don't normally like to do characters that need to be broken up into two, but being that it is such a long uh, history and there's a lot to it, I bit off a bit more than I could chew, and I decided incidentally last week just to, to do Kang the Conqueror, and now I have to deliver, so I will do so in two parts. Um, but before we get into that... It's a little bit of news hitting the, the nerd comic interesting uh, area. Uh, Tom Hardy is being heavily rumored to have been cast as James Bond, um, filling in for Daniel Craig after he leaves to uh, pursue other things. I really like Daniel Craig's James Bond. I think he was probably my favorite. Um, to me, Bond should always have been kind of a suave character, but also one that you could you know, see knife in a guy in an alley if the situation demanded it. And I thought Daniel Craig always sort of fit that. You know, he, he could be a suave English man kind of looking dude, but also uh, kind of be a bit of a thug when it was necessary. And I think Tom Hardy also would fill that role very well. Uh, I know the internet was clamoring for Idris Elba, and I would like to see that as well, but I just don't think toxic fandom will allow you to have a Black James Bond. I really wish that wasn't the case, but it seems as though that's where it would go. You know that if they cast Idris Elba as James Bond, the message boards and spamming reviews would go up like crazy with people whining and crying about the fact that James Bond isn't black. James Bond should be the same he's always been. White, just like he was the last eight t times. He looked completely different. So anyway, screw those guys. However, I am excited to see Tom Hardy in the role if that is the case, and it'll be pretty cool to see. Uh, another thing, uh, heavily rumored announcement was that Shuri will be filling in for the, will be taking the role of Black Panther in future Marvel Universe movies. Um, you know, not, not recasting the character with a different actor after the death of Chadwick Boseman. So that is pretty cool to see. That has happened in the comics, and it is a pretty cool uh, of Marvel to to just kind of go ahead and, and jump into it without, uh, you know, trying to. I mean, it's cool that they 
are willing to make such a drastic change instead of just trying to kind of do business as usual. And I really like that they are going that road. I think it'll be very interesting to see where they go with it whenever Black Panther 2 comes out. Uh, as far as other news going on, there's uh, all kinds of stuff going on in the universe with different comics and this and that, and movie series and TV shows. The Boys is now back on uh, Amazon Prime. Big fan of that series, really enjoying it. Very happy to see it back. I've watched all the episodes that have been released so far, which is five, and it's really good. If you enjoyed the first season, you will enjoy this one. I was a big fan of the comic. Garth Ennis is a god to me as far as comic writing goes. So anything, any adaption of his comics, there's been quite a few of them lately. Well, I mean two, I guess. Preacher and The Boys, both I enjoyed thoroughly. So I'm really excited to see that go on. And hopefully we'll get to see more adaptations from Garth Ennis. Wow, that was a yawn. That was a yawn. It's getting late in the day. And I'm trying to get a jump on my work by doing this. So I'm not going to cut it. You're going to listen to my yawn. That's what you're going to get. But uh, continuing on, we will go right into today's episode, which is about Nathaniel Richards, also known as Kang the Conqueror, also known as the Scarlet Centurion, also known as Immortus, also known as Iron Lad. We will delve into all of that and more on today's episode of the Graphic Histories Podcast. Episode 22, Kang the Conqueror. Nathaniel Richards was born in the 30th century of Earth 6311, a reality where humanity never went into the Dark Ages. After centuries of advancement in warfare, peace was brought to the land by a time traveler from Earth 616 named Nathaniel Richards. Because Richards brought peace to this war-torn future, he was known as the legendary benefactor. The Nathaniel Richards born to this reality is said to be a descendant of the benefactor through Reed Richards, although other records also indicate that he may also be a descendant of the Latverian monarch known as Dr. Doom. At the age of 16, intervention from his future self, a time-altering despot known as Kang the Conqueror, resulted in young Nathaniel trying to prevent his eventual transformation into this future identity, briefly becoming the young hero known as Iron Lad, joining the Young Avengers in the modern age. Another, yonder version of Kang from the time stream also briefly had a stint as a supervillain known as Kid Amortis. However, Nathaniel Richards eventually returned to his native time to finally follow his proper destined path possibly with his memories as Iron Lad erased. However, at this time, there is no conclusive explanation, and the events leading to this are as yet unrecorded. As an adult, Nathaniel discovered a time machine, and having grown bored of his peaceful era, traveled back to the ancient Egypt on Earth-616. There, he set himself up as a pharaoh, Ramatut, until he was ousted from this position by a time-traveling group, the Fantastic Four. Ramatut tried to flee back to his own era, but he was caught in a time storm and was forced to appear in the modern era of Earth-616. A chance encounter with his possible ancestor, Dr. Doom, inspired Nathaniel to abandon his Ramatut guise and assume one similar to Dr. Doom. In his first attempt, Nathaniel created the identity of the Scarlet Centurion, but abandoned this appearance after being defeated by the Avengers. Resuming his Ramatut guise, Richards attempted once again to return to his native 30th century. The time storm caused him to overshoot his own era, and he ended up in the war-torn 40th century. There, Ramatut found a ravaged future where barbarians battled with technology from past eras of which they had little to no knowledge. Seeing his own personal information on how these weapons operated, Ramatut found it simple to reinvent himself and conquer this era, creating the identity of Kang the Conqueror. 
Richards began by conquering the Earth and then the galaxy, taking over entire empires, including that of the Badoon. But even this was not enough, and Nathaniel's mind returned to the modern age of heroes, seeking to conquer it as well. One of his earliest observations of the past was when Kang briefly appeared over Times Square in New York City, circa 1939. This caused brief hysteria and some media coverage, but otherwise his appearance was dismissed as a hoax by the authorities of that time. It has been stated that part of Kang's motivations for wanting to conquer the modern age was due to incomplete historical records that spoke of a celestial Madonna who would sire the most powerful man in history. Kang was determined to learn the identity of the woman and ensure that he was the father of that child. When Kang appeared for the first time in the modern age of Earth-616, his ship landed outside of Washington, D.C. Blasting a landing strip, Kang held off the United States Army with his advanced weapons and ordered that he would only speak with the leaders of the world. In response, the United States government contacted the Avengers to deal with this unique crisis. When Earth's Mightiest Heroes arrived to face the Conqueror's first show of power, proved him more than capable of fighting off the superpowered defenders. After revealing his origins to them, Kang easily defeated his foes, taking them prisoner. However, while in the process of trying to imprison Captain America, the star-spangled Avenger broke free. Detecting that Rogers was from a bygone era, Kang arbitrarily decided that he did not belong and sent Cap hurtling back in time to the year 1945. The only members not captured in the fray were the Wasp and Captain America's sidekick, Rick Jones. The two then began to plot how to free their comrades. With the help of Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four, they managed to rescue Captain America from the past and rallied Rick's teen brigade. The group pretended to want to side with Kang, completely fooling the Conqueror, who allowed them to board his ship. Once inside, the heroes all worked together to free their captured teammates. The Avengers then confronted Kang and battled him anew, severely damaging his armor and forcing him to flee back to his own era. Before leaving, however, he left behind a time probe to monitor for the appearance of the fabled woman of myth from his own time. Unforeseen by Kang at this point, each of his travels into the past created divergent versions of himself, all of which ruled their own divergent empires and continued their own schemes. One particular Kang referred to himself as the Prime Kang, although he had admitted that he cannot be certain for sure that this title is accurate. Following his humiliating defeat, the divergent version of Nathaniel decided to set up a beachhead in the 20th century, in which he would begin planning his conquest of the modern age. He traveled to January 1st, 1901, where he established the town of Timely, Wisconsin, under the guise of Victor Timely, and became the town's mayor. He also created several factories and a business known as Timely Industries, teaching his staff the basic principles of robotics. Richards also established the realm of Chronopolis, which originally started as a fortress out of sync with time, in the exact era of Timely. But it eventually grew and branched off to become a massive crossroads between Earth's past, present, and future. Kang used Chronopolis to monitor his conquests, and when he was away from Timely, he had robotic stand-ins that would seemingly age, and eventually, Victor Timely died, and was subsequently replaced by Victor Timely Jr., another alter ego of our subject. In 1929, Kang, while posing as Timely Jr., employed Phineas Horton, and through his work, Horton eventually developed the technology that brought the original Human Torch android to life in 1939. By the 1980s, and using the guise of Victor Timely III, Kang had made Timely Industries a successful technology manufacturer, which was indirectly responsible for much of the latter advancements in technology that eventually went into the equipment used by Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four. The cybernetic arm of Detective Misty Knight, and the design of Roxanne Oil's Deathlock Cyborg, among many others. During this time, the Prime Kang continued to observe the Avengers, 
keeping track of their exploits in various roster changes while also focusing on his further conquest of the 40th century, waging war against the Shi'ar and the Skrulls. Through this monitoring of the Avengers, he also learned of another time traveler calling himself Immortus, who, unknown to Kang, was a version of his future self. When one divergent Kang returned his attentions to the Avengers again, he built an android based on the novice hero Spider-Man and used it to try and lure the Avengers into a trap. However, this plot was foiled thanks to the intervention of the real Spider-Man, who defeated his robotic doppelganger. Another alternate version of Kang decided to try and conquer the modern age of heroes by taking over a past century in the hopes of erasing his foes from existence. He began monitoring the 6th century, and when the heroic Black Knight was away battling his foe, Morgan Le Fay, he attacked the Kingdom of Camelot. Kang quickly incapacitated the wizard Merlin, besting King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table. He then took over the land and began using his advanced intelligence to help the knights construct sophisticated weapons for that era in the hopes of conquering the Earth. However, Kang's attempt to take over the 6th century was witnessed by the Watcher, who brought the Fantastic Four's Human Torch and the Thing into the past to stop this version of Richard's. While the Thing battled Kang's forces, the Torch freed Merlin with the wizard disabling Kang's power source, allowing the two heroes to easily defeat their enemy, forcing Kang to escape. The true Kang still continued to monitor the Avengers, witnessing their first lineup chains, which included Captain America, Hawkeye, the Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver. He was later manipulated by his possible ancestor, Doctor Doom, who used his emotion changer device to gather an army of supervillains to attack the wedding of Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Girl. Kang was involved in a massive battle between the gathered supervillains and the heroes who were attending the wedding, which came to an abrupt end when the Watcher provided Reed Richards with a time displacer, which he used to send the villains back where they came from, removing all memory of their role in this event. However, through reviewed recordings of his exploits, Kang eventually recalled his manipulation and involvement. Kang briefly returned to the 40th century to continue his conquests, later discovering the dimension of cosmos and its size-changing properties that were related to Pym particles. He conquered this dimension and enslaved its native Cosmosians, forcing them to assist in the creation of his growing men constructs. Once the Cosmosians completed their task, Kang hid the growing men in various areas to conceal these potent weapons. In his native time period, the true Kang had fallen in love with Ravona Renslayer, a princess of an earthly realm. Due to his love for Ravona, Kang allowed her father to remain in rule of his kingdom, but pressured Ravona to marry him in order for her father to continue to maintain his autonomy from Kang's empire. Ravona refused his hand in marriage, and Kang sought to prove his power to her by transporting the Avengers Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and the Scarlet Witch to his era and defeating them in battle. Later, when Captain America learned that his fellow Avengers were kidnapped, he issued a challenge to his foe and was brought to the future and defeated as well. These defeats did nothing to impress Ravona, and Kang ordered his forces to attack just as the Avengers recovered to defend the citizens of the castle and the village. Kang and his army easily overtook the small kingdom, and the Avengers were once more defeated and taken prisoner. However, when Kang decided to spare Ravona and her father, this earned the ire of his commanders who saw this mercy as a weakness. Chief among those was Baltag, who sought to usurp command from Kang's armies. With his forces turned against him, Kang realized that his love for Ravona was greater than conquering this world, and he grudgingly accepted that only the Avengers could help him fight off these mutinous forces. The Avengers proved to be a great help in defeating the army, taking its commander's prisoner. Seeing Kang show compassion and caring, Ravona decided to accept his romantic advances, and just as Nathaniel was returning the Avengers to their own time, Baltog broke free and attempted to shoot Kang in the back. Ravona, seeing the threat, threw herself in the path of the weapon's beam and was struck down. 
Balthog was then executed, with Ravona seemingly dying in Kang's arms. However, our subject refused to let his love perish, and used 40th century science to keep her in a state of suspended animation. Not dead, but not quite alive either. Many of the alternate versions of Kang also experienced similar tragedies. The true Kang decided to put aside his pain and seek out an even greater adventure. In his native time, he clashed once again with the Shi'ar, forcing them to surrender. This did little to fill the void in his life, and he soon desired to restore Ravona to life. However, finding a means to do so did not occur directly as one of his growing men was unearthed in the modern age of Earth-616. Returning there to retrieve it, Kang engaged in another battle with Thor. Recovering his weapon, the Conqueror attempted to flee in his time machine, but Thor used his hammer Mjolnir to capture it in an affinity vortex, seemingly destroying the warlord in the process. In reality, another divergence was created, with one Kang ending up in the timeless realm of Limbo, while another ended up back in his native 40th century of Earth-6311. The Kang that ended up in Limbo found the Citadel of Immortus. Unaware that was a future version of himself, Kang began using his equipment to study history, coming across the moment when Ravona was about to sacrifice her life for him. He then activated a device that would pluck Ravona out of the time stream, creating a divergent reality in which Kang was slain in her stead. The divergent Kang who ended up back in the 41st century of Earth 6311 crushed a small rebellion before he continued to find a means to revive Ravona. After many fruitless attempts to restore her, the elder of the universe known as the Grand Master appeared before him, offering Richard the challenge, to pit champions of his choice against those of the Grand Master's own making. If Kang's champions won, he'd be given the power over life and death, and if they lost, the Grand Master would then obliterate the Earth. Kang agreed to the terms and was given a year to gather his chosen champions. The Conqueror chose his old foes, the Avengers, luring them to the future. Earth the Mightiest Heroes agreed to fight for Kang on the condition that Stark was returned to the present to seek medical condition after he had recently suffered a heart attack. Captain America, Goliath, and Thor were then transported to modern-day Earth, where they would battle the Grandmaster's created minions, the Squadron Sinister. The trio were joined by Iron Man, and they went to four different locations to stop each Squadron member from stealing a national landmark, while Kang and the Grandmaster observed events from the future. In New York City, Captain America prevented Nighthawk from stealing the Statue of Liberty. Iron Man stopped Dr. Spectrum from absconding with the Taj Mahal in India. In Egypt, Thor stopped Hyperion from taking the Sphinx. Goliath traveled to London where he attempted to stop the Wizard from stealing Big Ben. However, interference from the heroic Black Knight caused the Grandmaster to call the Battle of Forfeit and transported Goliath and Wizard back to the future, inadvertently transporting the Knight's Ebony Blade as well. With the first round in forfeit, Kang agreed to another match between the Grandmaster. This time, they sent the Vision, Yellowjacket, and the Black Panther to France, circa 1941, to battle the original invaders, Captain America, the Submariner, and the original Human Torch. While this battle raged, the Black Knight used his mystical connection to the Ebony Blade to transport himself to the future and free the other Avengers who were being held in stasis. When the group sent to 1941 succeeded in defeating their contemporaries, they were brought back to the present just as their contained comrades confronted Kang. Although Kang was technically the victor, his draw in the first round meant that the Grandmaster would only give him the power of life or death, not both. Unwilling to let go of his hatred over the Avengers, Kang chose the power to kill the Avengers rather than the power to save Ravona. However, he was felled by the Black Knight, who at the time was not a member of the Avengers, and thus immune to his powers. With his defeat, Kang lost his ability over death, and the Grandmaster sent the Avengers home before departing himself, leaving Richards alone to regret the choice that he had made. Records of which Kang engaged in what activities are hard to determine beyond this point. However, it has been confirmed that the Prime Kang was still monitoring events in Limbo. 
One version of Kang found a means of prolonging his life by developing a device that would transfer his mind into a clone body in his native timeline upon death. Determined that the best way to conquer the modern age was to start by affecting history in the 19th century during World War I. Through his observations, he learned that the fighter ace known as the Phantom Eagle was destined to destroy a German mortar cannon that would have changed the face of the war. If prevented from doing so, a French ancestor of Bruce Banner, the man destined to become the Hulk and a founding member of the Avengers, would be killed. This Kang theorized that that event would prevent the Avengers from ever forming in the first place. However, when Kang attempted to travel to the year 1917, he was prevented from breaching that time period thanks to a time storm. Instead, Richards decided to trick the Hulk, believing his near-limitless strength could breach the barrier. Appealing to the Green Goliath's hatred of his alter ego, Kang successfully sent the Hulk into the past. However, the Jade Giant inadvertently destroyed the cannon while trying to stop the Phantom Eagle. The time storm then began a slingshot effect, hurling the Hulk into his proper time, with Kang himself seemingly lost in the time stream, only to cheat his fate by transferring his mind into a new body. One Kang went on to find another era to launch his attacks on the modern age, deciding to set up operations in the 23rd century of Earth 6297, due to the fact that possible future abolished all weapons and was powerless to stop his invasion. This earned the ire of that of a rival time traveler, and would-be warlord known as Zarko the Tomorrow Man. The Conqueror then used this front to capture the Avengers and imprison them in this future. With a time storm stopping him from breaching Kang's citadel, Zarko recruited the modern-day heroes Iron Man and Spider-Man, bringing them to the 23rd century, knowing their presence would weaken the disturbance. When the two heroes confronted Kang, Zarko betrayed them, deciding to use Kang's own plan to conquer the modern age, using Richard's own time bomb devices that would revert the people and technology of that era back to a more primitive time. While Zarko and Kang were busy in a standoff, Spider-Man revived the escape back to his own era in a time machine. There he recruited the help of the Fantastic Four's Human Torch to locate and deactivate the time bombs. Learning from the Torch that the FF's allies, the Inhumans, could assist him in using the last functional time bomb to return to the future, arriving just moments before Spider-Man originally left. Spidey and the Inhumans managed to get the drop on Zarko and Kang. While Black Bolt freed the Avengers, Spider-Man rounded up Zarko with Kang managing a hasty exit in the chaos, leaving behind an empty suit of armor. Soon, one divergent Kang became aware of the Celestial Madonna, was reaching her developmental protection as a new dawn star began shining in the sky of the modern age. Spent it over Avengers Mansion. Kang traveled back to the modern era to collect the fabled female, determining that it must be one of the three women who were in residence at the mansion. The Scarlet Witch the enigmatic Mantis, or the elderly sorceress Agatha Harkis. Kang unleashed his macrobots upon the Avengers, who were easily overpowered, taking the three women as well as Thor, Iron Man, and the Vision prisoner. Kang then left the swordsman behind, considering him the weakest of the Avengers, and thus beneath his notice. Relocating his prisoners to a secret lab hidden within an Egyptian pyramid built in his honor during his days as Rama Tut. There, he plotted to begin World War III by encasing each of the male Avengers in one of his macrobots and sending them to assassinate key political figures in the United States, China, and Russia in order to spark a nuclear Armageddon. In breaching the pyramid, thanks to the mystical guidance of Agatha Harkis, the swordsman awoke the ancient vampire Amenhotep, as well as the slumbering form of Rama Tut, who had been in suspended animation for over 5,000 years, in an attempt to stop his past self, as Kang, from continuing on his current path. The future Ramata prevented the swordsman from slaying his younger self and brought him back to New York, where they recruited Hawkeye, who at the time was not an active member of the Avengers. The trio stopped the macrobot using the Vision to slay the United States Secretary of State at the UN building in New York. 
They then traveled to China, where they prevented the macrobot leeching Iron Man's powers to try and eliminate the Chinese government's ruling class. Furious at this interference, Kang scrapped his plan to assassinate a Russian politician and unleashed the Thor-powered macrobot on the heroes, which was also defeated. During the conflict, the Avengers freed all the comrades, including the three captive females. Also during the fight, Kang revealed the true identity of Rama Tut and learned that he is his future self. With the same man from different eras face-to-face, -face, time ruptured, revealing to all gathered that Mantis was destined to be the Celestial Madonna. With his plans being thwarted at every step, Kang decided that if he could not have his prize, nobody could, and tried to kill Mantis. Despite interference from Ramatat, the shot was true, but before it could strike Mantis, the swordsman stepped in his path, sacrificing his life for hers. Meanwhile, Kang and Ramatat's scuffle sent them crashing into the controls of Kang's time sphere, and both men were lost in the time stream. Shortly thereafter, the combatants were plucked out from their situation and transported to Limbo by Immortus, with the future warlord pretending to ally with his past self by imprisoning Ramatut. Immortus then gave Kang access to his devices to get revenge against his enemies. The Conqueror used this to gather various superhumans just moments from their deaths to form his legion of the unliving. These minions included Frankenstein's monster, Wonder Man, the original Human Torch, Midnight, the Ghost, and Baron Zemo. He transported the Avengers to Limbo, to battle his new minions. Kang led his legion into the vast labyrinth of Limbo to slay Earth's mightiest heroes and reclaim Mantis. However, his control over the legion began to weaken the longer they were active in Limbo. The first to break free of his control being the Frankenstein's monster. The legion managed to slay Iron Man and seriously damaged the vision in their hunt for the heroes. During the battle, Kang sent Baron Zemo back to make sure that Ramatut and Immortus did not escape, having imprisoned his savior as well. Meanwhile, his control on the Human Torch failed, and with the help of Frankenstein's monster, the hero managed to partially repair the vision. Midnight, on the other hand, faced Mantis and was defeated. Wonder Man later fell battling Thor, who then turned his vengeance on Kang for the death of Iron Man. Unable to withstand the blows of Thor's hammer, Kang once more fled into the time stream. Zemo was later defeated by Hawkeye, who then freed Immortus and Rama Tut. Immortus used his abilities to bring Iron Man back to life, repair the vision, and send the members of the Legion back to face their destinies. Immortus then convinced Ramatut to return to his own time, before revealing to the Avengers that he himself was a future version of Kang, who achieved inner peace before sending the heroes home. It was later revealed to the Avengers that Mantis was to form a union with a member of the plant-like Kotati race, who had taken on the form of her deceased lover, the Swordsman, and Immortus offered to officiate their wedding. When the wedding was being planned in Vietnam, Kang reappeared in the present to make one more attack on the Avengers and try to capture Mantis. To this end, he appeared in that era at three different moments, making three Kangs present. After taking down the communist heroes known as the Titanic Three, the three Kangs distracted Thor, Iron Man, and Hawkeye, who managed to capture all the duplicates. However, the real Kang then kidnapped who he had thought was Mantis and escaped into space. However, Mortis already knew that Kang was planning and had his minion, the Space Phantom, take the form of Mantis, storing the real Celestial Madonna safely in limbo. By the time the Space Phantom revealed his true form, it was too late for Kang. As Immortus succeeded in marrying Mantis in the Kotadi, and they transformed into pure energy and left to meet their destiny in the stars. Another alternate Kang decided to once more attempt to alter the course of the modern age by conquering an earlier era, this time targeting the 19th century. However, while traveling through the time stream, he's confronted by Hawkeye, who is using Doctor Doom's time platform to try and reach the 12th century. The two battled it out, but ended up throwing themselves into the same era, only some time apart. Appearing in the year 1873, 
Kang built an inn and saloon in the town of Tombstone, Arizona, convincing locals that his mask was to cover wounds sustained in the American Civil War. He then used the device to sap the will of the locals and use them as slaves to build a massive citadel within the inn. Unaffected by this was the western hero known as the Two-Gun Kid, who found these happenings suspicious. He called out to other heroes of the West to help him investigate. The first to answer his call was the Rawhide Kid, and then Kid Colt. When they went to confront Kang, he revealed his true nature to them, unleashing a dinosaur summoned from the prehistoric past to drive them away. While this was occurring, three more time-traveling Avengers, Yellowjacket, Hawkeye, and Songbird, arrived in that era, mistaking the chronal anomalies occurring as part of their ongoing destiny war. Kang detected their presence, and not knowing who they were or what their intentions were, took away the time sphere given to them by Kang's future self before trying to kill them in a cave-in. Back in town, Tugun Kid was joined by the Ringo Kid and the Knight Rider, and they attempted another attack on Kang. The Conqueror took this moment to reveal his hidden citadel and unleash a biologically engineered lizard creature against the cowboys, sending them to retreat. While the Warlord was distracted, the three time-traveling Avengers managed to break into his citadel and escape in their recovered time sphere. Eventually, the version of Hawkeye who battled Kang in the time stream appeared in 1873 and quickly allied himself with the Two-Gun Kid and his friends to battle against Richards. Learning that Hawkeye ran afoul of Kang in the time stream, his fellow Avengers Thor and Moondragon were led to him by Immortus. Reuniting with Hawkeye, they joined him and the Cowboys in stopping outlaws hired by Kang from robbing a rail shipment of uranium. With Thor taking on his mortal guise of Donald Blake, he, Hawkeye, Moondragon, and the Two-Gun Kid infiltrated Kang's fortress. There, Nathaniel unleashed a massive mutated coyote to battle the heroes. Since Thor was in his mortal form, Kang did not recognize him, and Blake was able to slip away and break into the control room. There, he changed back into Thor, and the two battled with Kang, proving no match for the Asgardian Thunder God's limitless strength, and increased his force field too high, causing it to seemingly disintegrate him. With Kang's seeming demise, his fortress vanished, leaving the Avengers to believe that Immortus was erased from history as well, where this was revealed to be a ruse on Immortus' part. This version of Kang survived as well, using his mind transmitter to swap to a newly cloned body in the 40th century. This entire event was witnessed by the Prime Kang, who decided to develop a similar technology in order to cheat death itself. By this time, the Prime Kang had formed a council of Kangs in limbo, consisting of himself and two of his most cunning divergent selves. Seeing their alternates as insults to their legacy, they brought each alternate Kang to Limbo and executed them. One of the first recorded Kangs to be eliminated by the Council was a Kang who conquered the 41st century of Earth 8386, where he forced the people to slay each other for his own amusement. Following his death, a massive statue was placed to continue manipulating the people of this world to kill themselves until it was destroyed by the Hulk of Earth 616. Sometime later, the Earth-616 universe was visited by the Beyonder. The powerful beings sought to understand desire and summon a group of heroes and villains. The heroes included the Avengers, three of the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, Magneto, the Hulk, and Spider-Man. The villains gathered were Galactus, Doctor Doom, Ultron, the Wrecking Crew, the Enchantress, Doctor Octopus, the Lizard, the Molecule Man, the Absorbing Man, and one of the many Divergent Kangs. The Beyonder then created Battleworld, a patchwork planet comprised of chunks of various worlds. He then told both sides to slay their enemies, and all they desired would become theirs. Teleporting Planetside, Kang and the other villains set up operations in a high-tech facility, where Dr. Doom suggested that they rescind their petty desires to try and make contact with the seemingly all-powerful god, the Beyonder. The other villains balked at this, prompting Doom to bury them in debris and seek out the heroes. Unscathed by his attack, Kang watched as Doom flew away in an alien craft and blew it out of the sky. 
When the gathered heroes tried to assist Doom, he realized that they were unworthy of his plans as well, and attacked, soon being joined by his fellow villains who were led by Kang while Doom fled. During the ensuing battle, the heroes captured Kang, the Enchantress, as well as Thunderball, Piledriver, and Bulldozer of the Wrecking Crew, and imprisoned them at their headquarters. The other villains fled back to Doctor Doom, who had reprogrammed Ultron to be his loyal bodyguard and executioner. Doom discovered that a suburb of Denver, Colorado was part of Battleworld and empowered two of its natives into Volcana and Titania to bolster his rank. He then launched an attack on the hero's headquarters, freeing Kang and the wrecking crew. They were unable to rescue the Enchantress due to the fact that she was freed and ventured off with Thor earlier. After successfully dropping an entire mountain on the heroes, Thor and the Enchantress returned, teleporting before the gathered villains. Kang and his comrades then piled into the Thunder God and seemingly killed Thor. Seeking to avenge his previous betrayal and ensure loyalty, Dr. Doom later ordered Ultron to slay Kang, and the conqueror from the 40th century was atomized before his comrades. Thor and the other heroes survived their apparent deaths and continued to clash with their foes until Dr. Doom managed to steal the power of the Beyonder. With the abilities of a god, Doom sought to bring peace to the universe and to show his good faith to the heroes gathered he used his vast powers to resurrect Kang and return him to his proper place in time. Ultimately, the heroes rebelled against Dr. Doom with the help of the Beyonder, defeated the Ledvarian Dictator, and returned home the winners. Soon after, the Beyonder arrived on Earth and assumed human form to learn about the ways of the humans. During this time on Earth, its existence became viewed as a threat to the natural order of the universe. This prompted the demon Mephisto to create the Beyonder's Bane, a device that utilized energy stolen from the celestial being as well. With the Beyonder's Bane only having a limited time before reaching critical mass, Mephisto devised a delivery of this powerful energy, an army of supervillains called the Legion Accursed. He sent out his agents to make offers to various villains for their heart's desires in exchange for destroying the Beyonder. All these evildoers had to do was touch the Beyonder to unleash the power that would theoretically destroy him. Kang was one of the many villains who agreed to the deal, joining Mephisto's army. They attacked the Beyonder while he was meditating on a secluded island. However, they ultimately failed thanks to the Thing who came to the Beyonder's defense, holding the villains at bay long enough for the Beyonder's bane to hit critical mass. When the device self-destructed, the pact Kang and the others made with Mephisto became null and void, and they were all teleported back to their points of origin. By this time, the Prime Kang and his two counterparts succeeded in apparently eliminating every alternate version of Kang in existence, the last being their Earth-267 variation. The Prime Kang had been constructing robot duplicates of the eliminated Kangs to run their empires from remote and began plotting to eliminate his final two counterparts. He allowed one of his two alternates to infiltrate his secret sanctum, where the Prime Kang then pretended to let him in on his secrets. Then after shocking the other Kang by revealing his still-living version of Ravona, the Prime Kang shot him dead, as part of a plan to eliminate the Avengers and the Third Kang. To this end, he transported the Wasp, Hercules, and the Black Knight to Limbo. He then sent on a robot to confront the Avengers, challenging them to find a citadel and fight for a means to return home. When the Avengers attempted to get information from the Space Phantom whom they encountered, Kang seemingly slew him before their eyes after unleashing a horde of dire wraiths upon them. While the Avengers were occupied, the Prime Kang set up the dead body of the second Kang at a control console and contacted his third counterpart to trick him into returning to Limbo as they were under attack by the Avengers. Joined by Captain America, Captain Marvel, and the Submariner, the Avengers reached Kang's citadel, where they found the dead Kang. This coincided with the arrival of the third Kang, who blamed the Avengers for murdering his counterpart, and a fight broke out. When the third Kang realized that they had all been lured into a plot, the Prime Kang incapacitated them and imprisoned them in a stasis beams. When they revived, the Prime Kang informed those gathered that he would eliminate them. He then revealed to his prisoners his own personal history, 
and where he came to diverge from the other kings and his formation of the Council of Kings to eliminate his inferior duplicates. All the while he was taking, talking, Hercules struggled against the stasis beam with his prestigious strength, causing it to overload. Noticing this, Ravona remained quiet, not revealing this fact to Kang. Eventually the strain proved too much and the Avengers broke free. Ravona revealed her betrayal while she held the third Kang prisoner. The Avengers went after Kang Prime. As the Prime Kang fled, the third Kang convinced Ravona to let him go free to get revenge, and she relented, allowing him to leave. When the third Kang caught up with the Prime version, he tried to shoot his counterpart with a concealed weapon, unaware that Kang Prime had booby-trapped it and it exploded in his face, killing him instantly. The Prime Kang was the only one left, and remained defiant in front of the Avengers, until Immortus appeared with Ravona by his side. Immortus revealed that through his career of each Kang, he was there manipulating things behind the scenes to ensure that the path he was on would lead Kang to become a Mortis. Immortus explained that he manipulated the Prime Kang directly, allowing him to enter limbo, placing a fake body, and setting in motion the formation of the Council of Kangs. Immortus then showed off the fruits of his labor, the Psych Globes, which contained the memories of each slain counterpart of Kang. Seeking this knowledge for himself, Kang struggled with Immortus and seized the Psych Globes from his hand. However, when the Conqueror tried to use the Psych Globe, it bombarded his mind with all the memories at once, threatening to drive him mad just as Immortus had planned. Kang then fled into limbo, and when the Avengers tried to follow after him, Immortus stopped them, telling the heroes that this was all ordained, and sent the Avengers back to their proper place in time. With his sanity quickly fleeting, Kang triggered the time circuitry in his helmet, creating two necessary divergent selves to divide the madness between. One returned to the 40th century to recover. By this time, a group calling themselves the Council of Cross-Time Kangs was organized. They consisted of various other beings and aliens that slew their own reality's version of Kang and usurped his identity. By their own explanations, they were apparently a higher order that sat above various alternate councils of Kang, each member being the sole survivor of a culling of their alternate selves across the multiverse. One of the remaining divergent Kangs, dubbed Kang, materialized in the realm of the Council of the Cross-Time Kangs. There, he prevented his own assassination and was teleported to the council chambers by a female Kang, calling herself Kang Nebula. Kang soon found himself universally accepted into the council and met with Lord Kang, ruler of the group, who was impressed by his performance. He was then shown to his new quarters by Kang Nebula, who earned Kang's suspicions when she tried to seduce him. Nathaniel began monitoring Kang Nebula, learning that she was secretly sneaking off to Earth-616 to manipulate the Avengers through their leader, Dr. Druid. Confronted by Lord Kang over what might know about the disappearance of Kang Nebula, the true Kang revealed what he knew. After examining her room, Kang and the others discovered that Nebula had managed to seduce and steal technology from each member of the council for her own use. After confirming this by questioning the rest of the group, Lord Kang suspected that Nebula might be going after the Avengers as they were destined to breach the so-called time bubble that exists in a 15-year span of time in the reality of Earth-8810. It was believed that a powerful celestial weapon was located there. Later confirmed when they reviewed events on Earth-616 and learned that Nebula had successfully enthralled Dr. Druid, Thor, Black Knight, and She-Hulk. Lord Kang decided to stop Nebula from breaching the time bubble and took the true Kang and Kang Mesoic 24 with him to Earth-616. They managed to stow themselves on the side of the Avengers Quinjet from its launch site at the Hydro Base and hitched a ride to the time bubble. Although they lost Kang Mesozoic 24, Lord Kang and the true Kang prevented the death of the Black Knight and freed She-Hulk from Nebula's control. The Green Giantess then freed Thor and the Knight from Nebula's control. In the ensuing struggle, Nebula, Dr. Druid, and both Kangs were lost in the probability field of the time bubble. 
When Nostrich, a demon from the Netherworld, attempted to spread his realm into Earth, it had an impact on the time stream and threatened to erase the alternate king lost in the time bubble from existence. Only able to enter the modern age as a temporal specter, Kang attempted to find the Avengers in the demonically possessed version of New York City that was now being called the Inferno. Unable to locate the team, he instead found the Captain, Mr. Fantastic, the Invisible Woman, and the Eternal known as Gilgamesh, battling Nanny and the Orphan Maker, who were attempting to kidnap Reed and Sue's son, Franklin Richards. Although the heroes defeated Nanny and the Orphan Maker, Franklin was kidnapped by Nostrich. He used in the magical sacrifice needed to permanently open the portal between Earth and Limbo. Seeing that they had no means of tracking Nastrich, Kang used the last of his powers to revolve one of his growing men, constructs hidden in the city. Under his orders, it disguised itself as a demon and lured the ad hoc group of Avengers, later joined by Thor, to the Empire State Building, headquarters of Nastrich and his demon legions. The Avengers rescued Franklin and foiled Nastrich's plans for the time being. Meanwhile, the Prime Kang attempted to heal his apparent loss of Ravona by bringing numerous alternate reality Ravonas to slave over him, but soon he grew not to care for her any longer, as their efforts were a hollow recreation. He then decided to turn his energies against the first woman who betrayed him, Mantis. Confident that the Inferno would cover his reappearance in the time stream from the Council of Cross-Time Kangs, Nathaniel attacked Mantis in New York City, just as she was being rescued by the Fantastic Four. Immobilizing the FF, he kidnapped Mantis, hoping to use her power as a Celestial Madonna to unleash the force of the Dreaming Celestial slumbering in Mount Diablo, California. Not only did the Fantastic Four follow after him, but as did the sorcerer known as Necrodamus. When Kang arrived in California, he was shocked to find that Mantis was stripped of her powers, gained from the Kotati, and began pondering how to breach the barrier when the Fantastic Four arrived. Kang managed to escape Marvels for his family, but upon doing so, he realized that someone had kidnapped Mantis. Kang managed to track Mantis back to New York City, where he found her a prisoner of Necrodamus, who was preparing to sacrifice her to the demons of Limbo once the planets were aligned. Forced to team up with the Fantastic Four to suit his own ends for Mantis, he accepted an idea provided to him by Ms. Marvel. With the Human Torch's flame powers being mystically enhanced, Kang transported the torch outside of the orbit of planet Mercury. The torch then buried a device deep into the planet, allowing Kang to pull the planet slightly out of alignment, preventing Necrodamus from slaying Mantis. The Dark Gods then punished the Sorcerer for his failure. With their mission over, Kang teleported away, leaving the Torch stranded in space. While the Time Master was gone, the heroic X-Men and X-Factor teams ended the demonic infestation of New York. Knowing that Mantis sought the Fantastic Four's aid to recover her son from the Kotati, Kang went to warn them. They agreed with him that the only means to prevent her from taking their savior was to kill her. Richards brought the elders of the Kotati to New York and summoned the priests of Palma to help. However, when they arrived, the Fantastic Four were reunited with the Torch, thanks to the Silver Surfer, and they defended Mantis, defeating the Kotati and their priests. When Mantis forced the Kotati to flee with her superior mental powers, Kang fled back into the time stream once more. Following this, Mantis left her physical body to try and convince the Kotati to release her son on the mental plane. Meanwhile, the Divergent Kang and Lord Kang of the Council of Prof Time Kangs were still trapped in the time bubble on Earth 8810, along with Nebula and Dr. Druid. Sometime after the Inferno incident, Nebula began using her influence to convince the Fantastic Four, Iron Man, and Thor of Earth-616 to travel to that reality and attempt to breach the time bubble. Another entity who managed to enter the rupture in time was the trans-dimensional bounty hunter known as Death's Head, who had been signed by the Time Variance Authority to destroy the time bubble. Their arrival also freed Lord Kang, Kang Mesozoic-24, and the alternate Kang, who immediately attacked the gathered heroes. Mesozoic-24 was slain by Death's Head, while the Divergent Kang was killed by the Human Torch, who was under the influence of Nebula. 
Lord Kang fell into a massive device that was pulling the universe into it, powered by Galactus. Eventually, the Fantastic Four and their allies dispelled the time bubble, defeating its creator, the so-called Black Celestial. And for a time, it seemed that there was only one Kang left in all of existence and across the Omniverse. But this was not true. And we will learn about the future Kangs on our next episode. Did you follow all that? It's a lot to follow. You got Kang, you got Divergent Kangs, you got Mesozoic Kangs, you got Immortuses, you got Rama Tuts, you got Scarlet Centurions, you got Alternate Kangs, Prime Kangs, Kang Light, Kang Dark, Kang After Dark. You got every single Kang you can think of, and they're all here on the Graphic Histories podcast. Uh, this was quite a complicated uh, story, and it's only going to get more complicated, so I hold on to your hats, baby, because there's more to come in part two however the next edition of the graphic histories podcast will be our normal interview section which is one of my favorites to do i am looking very forward to that um, i do have a waiting to hear back on my guest i don't want to announce him yet just in case he is unable to make it and i have to make another plan so stay tuned to social media on monday and i will reveal who my guest on the next edition will be but in the meantime, I hope you all have a good day, a good week. Right now, uh, a hurricane is descending upon Nova Scotia, and I'm recording this, so I am hunkered into my office making these sweet, sweet podcasts for future, hoping there is a future after this hurricane. But thank you very much for listening. My name is Andrew Might. It's been a real pleasure, and I'll talk to you soon.